What up, everyone? It's Gidget and Tish here with another episode of G&T with G&T. We are talking Earl Grey gin and tonics this week. We're talking privilege. We're talking free speech. And we're going to actually, because you have two lawyers on this podcast, we're actually going to talk about the narrow decision that just came down from the Supreme Court about the bakers. And we're just going to talk some other bullshit. Welcome back, y'all. Say, how about you try a refreshing gin and tonic? This is GMT with Gidget and Tish. To start out, we have an Earl Grey G&T. Now, normally we wait a little while to give you that recipe. We're going to go ahead and do this up front because our conversation about privilege later is going to get kind of long. And this is also stupid, stupid simple for a delicious G&T. Super delicious. It's almost a um, iced tea flavor when you're done with it. So if you're not a tea fan, skip this one. Sorry. But... Earl Grey, I think of as like a breakfast, like hot tea. It makes me think warm and cozy. I was a little hesitant about this as a summer drink. Right. However, it's delicious. It's super refreshing. Super refreshing. Basically, bag of good black tea. I chose Earl Grey because, again, it's an Earl Grey G&T. You put that in your gin for about an hour. And I mean, I think I did a cup and a half, probably a gin, so I could make a few cocktails for but us out of it. But when she says put it in your gin, what she did, and I think would probably work best for most, is put it in a mason jar or some other container with a lid yeah. and put your, your Earl Grey in bag in that. Yep, put your bag in that, let it sit for about an hour, pull the bag out, toss it. You're going to make a basic G&T. Whatever ratio of gin to tonic you prefer, G&T. Add a splash of lemon instead of lime with that if you really want to brighten it up a bit. So simple. So good, though. It's very delicious and refreshing. Has a little bit of a tang after bite, but not horrible. I really like the Earl Grey. It's just really bright. It's something you could see yourself drinking on a warm day. Not a hot day, but a warm day. Or even on a cool, kind of rainy day where you just want something to drink, but you don't want anything really strong. This is what you use. Definitely refreshing. Definitely awesome. Definitely worth trying. And while we're trying things, we should try some free speech. So, we're talking Twitter this week. And on the Twitters, at Fat Menendez (laughs) (laughs) tweeted this, and I cannot agree more. Freedom of speech isn't freedom from repercussions. That's why everyone who works in retail doesn't tell you to go fuck yourself. That is the clearest understanding of freedom of speech I've ever encountered. And this is an idea that I've seen a few times. You know, the general freedom of speech, not freedom from consequences. You hear that one a lot. But this example, just as someone who did my time in retail in years gone by, oh, God. it speaks to me on a spiritual level. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's the big thing is that people always say like, oh, freedom of speech, freedom of speech, freedom of speech. Yes, you have freedom of speech. From government. From government. Government. As two lawyers take this from us, so the government cannot tell me I can't say something. But Joe Schmo on the street can be like, bitch, shut the fuck up. And let's actually be clear. The freedom of speech from government interference is not absolute either. There are exceptions to it. Hate speech, enticing violence. You can't encourage a crowd 
to be violent or start a what's the word I want? So the big one that they always say is you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Well, there's that too, but no, what do you you take the crowd of people? Mob. And a mob. No, that's not the word I want. You can't make a crowd into a, riot, a mob. A riot. That's a the riot. Word I want. Um, you, there are certain things you can't do. Yeah. So, so but it's, it's not it's even not, absolute. <laughs> right. It's not a violation of free speech if you I don't know say some racist shit and then I therefore don't watch your shitty TV show. <clears throat> um. That's not against freedom of speech. Nope. At all. Nope. Those are those are public actors. Do, you know, they can right. do what they please. That's it. I'm sorry, not public, private. I said that backwards. Right. They're private those actors. Are private individuals. Who can say whatever they want. And who I, can, as can, private actor, and the public as private actors, can choose to ignore you, to ostracize you, to boycott you, whatever. Yep. Yep. And while we are talking about free speech issues. There is a recent Supreme Court ruling that's been getting a lot of buzz for a lot of reasons. So there's a baker who refused to make a cake for a couple because they were same sex and his religion dictated that he should not do that, according to him. So the thing is, is that we're going to have this debate later on, and that'll be in a mini episode that we post. Um, But today we're just going to talk about the decision very quickly and how it is very, very narrowly crafted. So let me set the scene a little. The couple then goes to the business committee, which oversees the businesses in this town. That committee then says, we side with the couple and you, Baker, owe them money and or should be shut down or whatever. Gives him whatever his consequences are. He That is what got appealed all the way up to the Supreme Court is the consequences of this couple going to the business board. Exactly. And so I want to pause here because we keep talking about how this is a narrow decision. I want to explain what that means because, again, you got two lawyers here and sometimes we forget that not everyone understands things. When a decision is narrow, it means it applies to only very specific pieces of the situation. So lots of people are interpreting this as Supreme Court signing off on someone discriminating on the basis of sexual orientation. And it actually does not do that. It opens the possibility, maybe, but Tisha's got a good analogy for us about how narrow this is. Right. So in this case, what the Supreme Court struck down was the business center, the business committee coming in and saying this person was wrong because they had their minds made up before they walked in, basically. So the analogy I have is, let's say your religion says you can only wear skirts, cannot wear pants. You can't wear pants in gym class. You have to go to the school board. The school board, if they walked in and said, you failed gym because you didn't do um, the crab walk or you didn't participate in gym, so you failed. That's a violation. What this law, what the Supreme, if they instead, if the school board had instead said, you have to run laps in a skirt, it would not have been upheld. So it all comes down to this Colorado committee. If the committee had said, if you don't bake this cake, we're going to fine you because you have to bake for everyone who comes in and has the money unless it's obscene, then it probably would have went the other way. So in this situation, they did not eat. They did not judge on the merits of the religion versus protected class, which is LGBT class issue. They did not rule on that. That is what would open the door for discrimination. That wasn't ruled on at all. All they said was the committee went too far. 
So if your town doesn't even have like a business committee to complain to, this would never even apply in your town, state, city, whatever. And the important part here is that the committee had already made up their mind how they wanted to punish this guy and that what he had done was not okay before he had a chance to make his case. They knew what they were going to do. They came in and they, you know, laid down the law as far as they saw it. And he was held to those consequences without really getting a fair shot. Now, Tish used the school board analogy. If you go into the school board because they're saying, oh, you're going to fail because you're not participating, you get a chance to say, this is why I'm not. And they get a chance to say, oh, here's something we can do instead that's going to remedy this for everyone. You're still going to participate in some way, but in a way that doesn't violate your beliefs. And now everyone's happy. That's a different matter than them saying, no, 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 everyone has to participate and you didn't participate and we don't care what you have to say about it, la, 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 la. Or if they had even said, present us your evidence, show us, you know, bring in your person, bring in the pastor from your religion and have him tell us this, or have you done any of the other alternatives, or have you done this in the past or things like that. If they had asked or, questions, I mean, it probably would have come out different. This I, Colorado board, they walked in, they said, tell us what happened. Uh huh. 10 minutes later, you're fined all this money. And someone pointed this out. Um, you know, it's about a wedding cake and weddings are very high stakes for anyone who does them. There's lots of photographers who refuse to do weddings at all because they don't want that pressure that goes with that. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who does some, um, He's a fantastic piano player and has played at weddings. It's an incredibly high pressure thing. So if you go in there and you say, you know, this is something that's very personal to these people. It's very important to them. I don't believe in what they do and I'm not going to do a good job of it. Like then, okay, maybe there's a rationale for you to to refuse that. Like there's there's pieces of this that can make sense that go beyond just he refused them because they're gay. And the committee never gave him a chance to make any kind of argument with that you know, like that without having already decided what they were going to rule. No, here's the thing is that they did. So the committee asked him, why did you refuse? And he just said, it's against my religion. That turned it into a straight religion versus civil liberties argument or civil rights argument. And my whole thing is, is that they should have, if they had inquired more, we right. would have had a different decision. Right. But That's they what I'm left saying. it there. Like they just left it there and were like, okay, we've made up our minds. Right. Like there they was no discussion of, well, why is that important? If they had come to us, if they had asked more questions, they could have come to the same decision, but it would be less obvious that they had their minds made up before they walked in. Right, right. And so, like I said, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into the thought process. There's a lot of things they could have asked about. Right. There's there's so, reasons the Supreme Court discussed that had to do with, you so know. So the thing is, is that the same case, let's say we're here in Massachusetts. Let's say a baker, me and Gidget are getting married. A baker in Massachusetts says, I'm not baking you a cake. We go to the Massachusetts Better Business Bureau and they call, they haul that guy, that baker in. And they say, why didn't you bake the cake? But they go through a longer analysis and they give them a chance to present mitigating evidence and to do a whole bunch of stuff. If they yep. come to the same decision, it's not going to get appealed to the same. The, the right. decision is going to come out differently. Yeah, I mean, he could go in there and could explain that he considers it a very personal issue and has things with it. And they could come to a different decision, quite frankly. Right. I think they would come to the same decision because the it's same. It's Massachusetts, I think they would. But elsewhere, I'm not so sure. Elsewhere, I think, I think they would have to because it's the same thing. If you open yourself up as a public business, anyone can walk in here and get my services you are not then allowed to say anyone but you unless you do deny that whatever it is to the everyone so if the baker had said i don't do wedding cakes 
I don't do wedding cakes for anyone straight gay wedding. Because there are whatever. some that do. There are some that do because <laughs> it's so personal. Then it's a totally different decision. I just don't do wedding cakes. But if you say, I don't do wedding, because it's the same thing. That same rationale can then be applied to say, I don't do wedding cakes for black people because my religion says that black people shouldn't get married. You can start applying this rationale over and over other places. That's when you have a very broad decision and that's when you have a fucked up decision. And so we're see, not there yet. This is why Tish and I are going to come back with some more on this and do more on this issue. Because as you can see, there's there's a lot to a lot of nuance involved right. when it comes to how businesses operate, how especially small businesses operate, where it is a private owner and, you know, people consider their business a very personal thing. Right. And there's and a, a, and a part of them, really. Right. And, and, and so, there's, but there's always, always, always a difference between what is done in the practical world and what is legal. Right. So that's why we're going to come back and talk more about this issue, because it's definitely got a lot of pieces to it. Right. Um. But for now, we're going to take a break and come back with a discussion about privilege. We have a lot to say about privilege. We spent a lot of time on this. It's going to be a long chat. We're going to owe you some other things like This Is Us at future dates because we spent a long time talking about privilege. Yep. And we have our first G&T guest. So we'll be back in a sec. What's on our minds? We are back and we are here today talking about privilege, which is going to make Tish giggle for a minute. We'll get there. But we're going to talk a little about privilege today because I think it's a thing that people get really bent out of shape and I think they need to learn to understand what privilege is and how it affects everyday activities. What do you think? Yeah, no, it's definitely a thing um, and it's definitely something that people need to understand and understand how to be a better ally and basically understand that everyone has some sort of privilege and your privilege determines how you see the world and how the world sees you. And let's start with some examples of privilege. I want to start with some really basic things because when people think privilege, they get very bent out of shape immediately. And I'm going to start with height because that's a big one for me. I am a short person. She's short as shit. I am. The world is made for average height people. I am below average. That means there is a shit ton of things I cannot reach. I cannot like the paper reach towels. the paper towels <laughs> on the top shelf of my own kitchen cabinets. I cannot reach the top shelf in the grocery store. Thank you very much. While we're on that, though, some tall people have some disadvantage. Um, also, I have seen gentlemen hit their heads walking into the tea under the like doorway because mm-hmm. they are too tall. This is examples of how the world is privileged for the average height person. Tish, on the other hand, has a different sort of disadvantage where I am the privileged one because I, I am... am left handed and the world is shittily made for right handed people. It is. It is made for me. I am right handed. Fuck and you all. Tish likes Do to you remind understand? me. The problems I've had with pens, yes. I'm an attorney. Yes. Every day, I have blue ink down the side of me. All of my clothes have blue ink on the left side. Desk, made for yep. right-handed people. Oh, my kid, every day. I can't cut shit in my kitchen because of the <laughs> fucking scissors. You know how hard it is to write in a notebook? So, yeah, no, I, I hear it from my 15-year-old. He sends me screenshots of the uh, right-handed desk from, or, like, pictures of the right-handed desk in school and complains that he can't do his work because he can't sit at the desk. That's something we bonded over. So... Everyday things like that are examples of privilege. When you get into more controversial things, things like your sexual orientation, 
is privileged in a lot of ways. You walk into a bridal store and everything is framed for bride and groom. And if you are not a bride and a groom, the world does not fit you. Even the question, you know, what does your husband do? What's your wife like? You see someone, you frame that expecting them to be straight. And it's other things like um, ability. I walk up the stairs and I don't have to think twice about it. The world is made for able, able-bodied people. So if you have some sort of disability, it's much harder if you're thinking just things like getting to work. Imagine getting to work and all of a sudden you can't use your legs. Or even less um, severe than that, imagine just being having a mental illness and trying to get through your day on a day-to-day basis. The world is not made for people who aren't what we see as uh, able-bodied people. Um, you get to wait. Me, me and Gidget are both uh, healthy looking girls. Uh, getting on an airline is bullshit. Getting yeah. on a train is yep. bullshit. And the average American woman is a size 18. The average seat is made for a size 12 or smaller. Oh, and some airlines like to charge you extra if you need the seatbelt extender. So that's super fun. It Fuck actually you costs you Fuck more. you spirit. Costs you more to not fit into the general. So, I mean, that's a great example of privilege because literally it costs you money to not be privileged. Um, gender's another one. And we're going to get more into gender at another point because I really do. But gender is not binary. Genetically, it is not binary biologically it is not binary that's where we're going to leave that for today because that's going to be a bigger topic for for tish and i at some future point but for today we have elsewhere that we want to go with a special guest that tish is going to introduce because this is a good friend of hers so i'm going to introduce one well he's going to introduce himself my friend chris no 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 the incomparable incomparable chris Chris. say what up chris what up chris (laughs) (laughs) oh he follows directions so well why we're friends that's um, a white culture thing just pointing that out yeah <laughs> following directions it is, is very it is. important it is y'all will stand in line for nothing uh truth wait what so much there was no reason <laughs> yes no. no no not at all yeah, but just... let's talk about why chris is with us before she gets off so too chris, far tell the people why we should listen to you today uh number one because i'm awesome but number two yes uh I have a lot of background with a social justice nonprofit called the NCCJ. Shout out to the NCCJ. Uh, what up? They're stationed out of Connecticut, and um, they do really great work uh, educating youth and adults on social justice issues. I got involved with them way back in 2006. Tish, I think you were 05, right? Yeah, I was 05, you were 06. Yep. And then, uh, so I attended their camp Anytown, and it just blew my mind in terms of like giving me context um, to talk about these issues. And I just stayed involved with them ever since. Uh, Humble brag, I won the NCCJ Youth Award uh, in 2009 for my like activism in Wethersfield, um, which is the town Tish and I grew up in. Shout out to Wethersfield? Not really. No, No. let's let's never do that. Okay, just just making sure. And... uh, (laughs) Now, I am a teacher of English language arts in Ocean Shores, Washington, the state. Uh, people get confused <laughs> on the East Coast when I say Washington. They're like, Sometimes oh, you happens. work near the White House. And I'm like, no, there's a whole state called Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's where I teach now. I actually just got hired for next year to teach uh, 10th and 12th Yay. grade. 
Thank you, thank you. And I'll be teaching AP uh, Language and Composition, which is daunting, but I'm excited for it. So yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really honored to be on a podcast. First time podcast guest. <laughs> now, for those of you who, can't do, who don't know and couldn't have guessed, Kit, Chris is a certified white man, uh, and he has comes from that perspective. Yes. Of a, you know, a certified white <laughs> yes I, I love the way you say that yeah. <gasps> all right but, but he's here to talk he's here to talk about race with us we want to talk about privilege and race and at some point Tisha's is going to get herself together and oh, and we're going to have this conversation about race and privilege and how race creates privilege people get really upset when they hear that they're privileged because of their race. And those people are generally the ones who have no idea what it's like to not have that privilege. And so they don't see it. Sometimes when you have things, it's hard to recognize that other people don't. Now, caveat, I just want everyone to understand, we are not going to solve racism today. No. We are not going to solve privilege and classism and homophobia and all the other isms today. We are going to have a very basic conversation from our own unique perspectives about privilege. Um, and you're listening to this podcast, so you're going to listen to it. Yay! All right. Let's start with, um, Chris, why don't you tell us what you think some of some of the best examples of racial privilege, the places where it impacts people the most. Ooh. So uh, in, in researching for this this podcast, I thought about one of like my first exposures to talking about white privilege, and Tish will know as soon as I say it. It's the unpacking the white privilege knapsack, oh! uh, which is which is an essay-ish uh, by Peggy McIntosh that gives a lot of great examples of of white privilege. Okay. Some people uh, will dispute it a little bit because they believe it's intertwined too much with class. I would agree for some of the examples, but definitely not all. We can maybe discuss that later, but. Yeah, we'll get into that by the end of the conversation. Um, of course. So just a couple right off the top. Um, the number one privilege that she wrote down is, I can, ha- I can, if I wish, arrange to be in the company of people of my race most of the time. It's a very basic one that uh, white people take for granted, that like in most spaces, there's going to be at least one other white person there which is not necessarily something that is true, depending on where you live, for uh, people of color. Um, yeah, another... yeah, and there's definite oh, uh, location aspects to that, depending on where you live. We know that uh, geographic segregation is a big thing. It is, it is um, real. Very, very real. So, you know, that one, that one depends a little where you live, but especially if you talk about getting into settings like higher education, yes. yeah. that becomes corporate very, America. very true. Corporate America, yeah. professional, white collar. I feel like in the settings that matter, yeah. Yeah. right? Like. If you're talking power brokers, you're talking politics, you're talking wealth, Wall Street, Wall Street, (laughs) you're talking the power brokers making big decisions. You can, if you are a white person, be in the company of just solely other white people. If you're a person of color, you see that one other person of color and you're like, oh my God, there's two of us. What up? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's also a phenomenon that white people don't have. Like if we see another white person anywhere, we don't just like go like, you know, hey, I see you. Like we don't have a look between us. 
actually because of white culture it's probably going to be looked down and don't look them directly in the face because <laughs> yes, you'll see threatening yes. yeah. um, do you want me to give other examples from Peggy? yeah give yeah. us another one absolutely so we got uh, I'm just going randomly here I can turn on the television or open to the front page of the paper and see people of my race widely represented um, and I would also add positively okay, I think that one yeah represented. I think that one is absolutely excellent a good friend of mine an incredibly talented young woman who actually is a finalist for Spotify's podcast for women of color what? oh really? yes she had her interview she is amazingly awesome um, she was making jokes on Facebook about how she is going to be unbelievably famous and when her biopic is made she wanted she was making jokes about who was going to play her <laughs> and said if it happens soon and she needed to be whitewashed that it should be um, Sandra Bullock yeah, yeah it's Sandra yeah. Bullock That's hilarious. Um, and then if not she named another actress who now I honestly cannot recall the young woman's name because for one I did not recognize it but it caused me to go hmm how many Asian actresses can I name? And I'm not good with this anyway, so I'm like, I'm not the person to be like, oh, you can name people. The only person, the only Asian actress that I could think of off the top of my head, however, was Christina from Grey's Anatomy, and I couldn't even Sandra remember. Oh. I could not remember Sandra Oh in the moment. She was the second one like, I just thought oh my of. God. I was trying to do it in oh my, my God. head, and she was the second and, one. And so then wait, I started... hold on, let's do it real quick. Sandra O, oh, Constance Wu. Lucy Liu. Lucy Liu. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So I Googled this and even so like So are we Google, talking just East, East Asian? Because that's what we've done so far. Yeah, yeah. I think we're just talking okay. East Asian. If we're so talking the, South the person Asian, in question is Vietnamese. Um, gotcha, so gotcha. that was... Um, uh, do we know any Vietnamese famous actors? I was going to say, when you do, go to ethnicity, it's even worse. Like, yeah, like It's so yeah. much worse. So, so like this, that's actually though the perfect example because yeah. when she said this, I was like, literally, I can think of one. And again, I'm not the ideal person because I'm bad at at that period. Like I'm bad at the naming celebrity You're things. You're not a walking IMDb. But even the two of you, like now there's three of us and we got three people. Literally, yeah. you got three people between the three of us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, up until I want to say like five or six years ago, if you were a black woman, you were like, I want Angela Bassett. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing. That that was your positive black representation. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very true. And yet I can turn on the TV and every show has a white person in a lead role. Even shows that aren't that that are actually, you know, more diverse. Yeah. You still have a very strong white presence. Great. Great. Mm -hmm. Quick example of this. Uh, As a as a fellow Chris, there are four Chris's. White, okay, four time white Chris's in the Marvel this joke Cinematic all Universe. The time. Oh, no, wait. I make this joke all the time <laughs> because I do not give a fuck about any of those Chris's and I get them all confused because I'm like, they're basic white men. And they're like, they are. which Chris is? And I was like, mm-hmm. the other Chris, this Chris, which the pine, the, the, the two hems, the hem one. And I think he looks like that third dude with the, with the, like the raccoon. I don't know which Chris you're talking about. And they are the basicest white men and they all have lead roles in everything. I feel like my, my girlfriend would dispute you that the clear front runner is Chris Hemsworth or Thor. But I, I think your point is well taken. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's I mean, look at The Bachelor. Look at The Bachelor. Oh, God. Contestant people, the, the, the on, or The Bachelorette, the Wait, other guy. They all, not they're the all the same. It's the same dude every time. It <laughs> is. No, no, no. It is when you, when you line them all up. It is. I swear to God. Like, that's not a joke. I'm not trying to be funny because I, I can't no, try to be yeah. funny. But 
Yeah. Oh my God, that's that's amazing. All right, yeah. so that's a great one. That's a great one. I'm sure you've got at least one more for us though. What else have oh, we yeah. got? Um, let's see. I'm just looking randomly. Ooh, this is a really relevant one. I can criticize our government and talk about how much I fear its policies and behavior without being seen as a cultural outsider. Yes! Yep. Because anytime a person of color says, hey, this country is kind of trash, we hate America, we are against the troops, we should, I don't know, go back to our countries or any other shit. Trump literally ran a platform saying America is shit, let's make it great again, and won the presidency. Kiss my ass, motherfucker. His campaign was literally just one big dump on America. Yes! <laughs> it was, it was. But I, I love how the NFL says that we are disrespecting the anthem, because let's talk about that for let's a second. First of all, we kneel. We kneel as a sign of respect when we go to church. We genuflect in front of God. We kneel to pray. How is kneeling during the national anthem disrespectful? Literally, oh, so I'm going to throw a random Game of Thrones reference, entirely inappropriate, Please but whatever. Do. Bending the knee. Bending the knee is a sign of submission and respect to the more senior leader in Game of Thrones. That was Thrones. like a whole a plot fucking, line last like, season. Yes, Bendy yes. City. It's an, it's an entire it's an thing. Entire you are, yes. 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 So all of these things, you kneel when you propose. You kneel in front of the person you love to ask them to spend their life with you. Oh, How shit. is kneeling disrespectful? Not only that, but you're taking kneeling when the person kneeling, Callan Kaepernick, shout, shout out, out, asked veterans, asked Thank people you. who literally, who literally sacrificed so, so much. If I sat, would that be a problem? They said, yes, that would be a problem. That is disrespectful. Mm-hmm. If you kneel, we will stand behind you. That is more respectful. And we don't want you to do stuff that's going to call attention to yourself. Yes, this is yes. your personal protest. Yep. We are not. If we block the streets and protest that way, we're doing too much. Someone could die. And so yet, if we do a, a private protest that is harming absolutely no one, well, then we're all traitors to America. So what you're saying is you don't want us to protest. Kiss all right. of my black ass. And yet you know there is that white guy who didn't take his fucking hat off during the anthem and I would have punched him in his is. teeth. Yeah, yeah. Or the one who talks or stays on his phone. Or the one who wears the flag as a thong. Mm. Let's talk about yeah, how that's actually not. like... I don't know if it's technically illegal. A, it is illegal, right? Like literally, it's not supposed to be clothing. Um, yeah, the, but it's bikinis yeah. and, and speedos and banana. Ha- like, Duh. come on now. So my whole thing is, is that, and also let's let's be very banana clear hands. about this. Let and last thing on the anthem before we yeah. move on, we didn't start even playing the anthem until. The Department of Defense in like the 50s or 60s gave a shit ton of money to the NFL, and then they were like, "Yeah, all right, we'll make this a thing now." Yeah. Also, yeah. so this is not. Also, when athletes stood for the anthem, they weren't required to stand like on the b- bench or whatever. They actually weren't even required to do anything until I think it was like 2009 that they actually. They weren't even on the field at one point. At that, there used to be a time when they weren't on the field during that yes, portion exactly. of the opening. Yeah, they weren't on the field at all. They weren't brought out It's yet. only since 2009 that they've had to be, like, lined up, like you see on TV. Like, they're yeah. lined up one after the other, you know, hand on their heart, whatever. 
like standing for the anthem before they were like practicing or in the yeah. locker but room again, when it happens. We kneel before God and we kneel before the person we love when we ask them to be with us. So I'm just gonna lo- like like those are that that's it. How is kneeling disrespectful? Like that's my mm, yeah, yeah yeah okay all right we're getting off topic. Rain it in rain it in. So the question is why should John Brown who lives up the street give a fuck about privilege so why should john brown care about white privilege or just privilege in general about about his white privilege about his white privilege oh i mean so here's the thing right is that when it comes to like white privilege a lot of it is something that you've never thought of before or something that you're consciously doing it's not as if white people walk around talking about i'm gonna exercise my white privilege today the point of a white person recognizing their privilege is that there are times where things that we would uh, say fall under white privilege are not necessarily rights or privileges that everybody has. Some of them are things that should be universal, like being represented on television. Like that should be like a universal thing that our representation of people who look like us is positive and plenty. Like, that's, that's something that should be universal. But then there are some things where it's like, your privilege is giving you a leg up that is not necessarily fair. Right. And it becomes systemic, and it becomes something that over time leads to things like wealth gaps, or it leads to not having access to adequate health care, and all of these other things that we could mention as, like, institutions that we are a part of. And that is where white privilege becomes dangerous, because it is something either that everybody should have and they don't, or it's something that white people get especially so that they are given elevated status in our society perpetually. Now, let's be very clear. What we're talking about is averages. Yeah. You may have Oprah who could buy 15 of me, (laughs) and you may have a very poor person in rural dumblefuck nowhere, but we're talking averages and systemic issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're not saying that you, John Brown, because you are poor, therefore you don't have privilege. You do still have privilege because you, John Brown, could walk into said bank and get a mortgage. Whereas I, Tisha, black chick, may not be able to get the same mortgage based solely on the biases of the person handing out the mortgage and thinking that person with pale skin is going to pay more or be uh, more worthy be or trustworthy, trustworthy in for a loan yes. than person with brown skin. Yeah. And, and we did want to touch on the whole class and and wealth socioeconomic status aspect of this because again that's an area that a lot of people i'm white but i'm poor therefore i'm not privileged that's not true that's just a different type of privilege wealth is a form of privilege too you can have wealth privilege and race privilege you can have wealth privilege but not race privilege you can have neither of those things those things are not mutually exclusive and again we're talking averages so on average your average white person is going to have more wealth privilege than the average black person because of systemic issues because of long-standing issues since slavery that have not been addressed yeah because we're talking about think of why we why do we have hbcus that's historically historically black college and universities because black students were not given access to college so my parents you know weren't able to go to my grandparents weren't able to go to college and they weren't able to buy their house so there was no equity in the house send my mom to college so if she did get to college did she get to finish college and those things create systemic issues that go all the way down the line 
Now, average person, average white person would say, well, you know, my parents came over here from Italy and they, you know, didn't go to college. But your parents came over here from Italy, didn't go to college and still got a mortgage. Yep. Yep. And they had more job opportunities. They had so many more doors that were open. They were able to attend public education because let's talk about how old some of our parents are and when (laughs) segregation happened. Right. Desegregation. Excuse me. With segregation. And desegregation actually happened. Yeah. 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 Let's be real. Yeah. Because in some places it didn't really. Definitely did not in in all places for sure. And I mean, there was a town in Mississippi that just had its first integrated prom in like 2013. Oh yeah, I heard that. Yeah, and there there are schools in Florida where my parents are that are actually still under the standards where like there are certain mandated quotas. They have mm-hmm. to move students to different parts of the county because they don't meet Brown v. Board like those standards. Connecticut, Connecticut still does that now. Connecticut now. is 100 percent like yeah. that. I will tell you as a student in elementary school, I was one of two students black students in my class one uh and there were like 30 students one of five students of color and that continued all the way up until high school when we got a little more diverse but only because they shut down schools in hartford because of that shitty shitty no child left behind law and bust them to our schools and then even then in my actual class it wasn't like a 50 50 mix it was like a 12 percent students of color yeah. And when we're shipping, it. yeah, when we're bringing students over, and that's when we're bringing students yeah, over. Yeah, that's bringing in students We're at 12% elsewhere. now. Right, in the actual yeah. town of Weathersfield, I'd love to see the data, because there was all the, like, busing and the stigma around Hartford kids that was right, going yeah. on at Weathersfield. So the actual High. data is, I actually did part of my thesis on this my freshman year of college. Oh, okay. um, the actual data for our town was around 10%. 10% students? And that, students of color. Yeah. Of color. And so that included, yeah. and so that included black, uh, Latino, Asian, um, Asian American, yeah. um, any way that they broke it down, basically not white. Yeah. It was around 10% for a pretty good sized small town. And and in that setting, you end up with people who uh, definitely experience the disparity created by privilege because when you walk around and no one looks like you, people notice the person who looks different. Like right. you just you're there and you don't and have the things is that when you don't look like everyone else everything you do stands out yeah so if you are angry and you are the only black girl you are now the angry black girl if you are good at basketball and you're the black boy well then you must be really good at basketball and that's all you can ever do nothing else is offered to you because you're the good black boy at basketball you're you're a representative of your race right yeah right. and I'm, yeah. I'm also going to ask you how hard was it to find somewhere to get your hair done so for me it wasn't that hard because I grew up in a house full of women and I grew up with a crap ton of aunts and neat and um uh, um sorry aunts and grandmas who did my hair. But okay. when I went to college, I went to college in Rhode Island in a very, 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 very white school. I would drive back to Connecticut to get my hair braided every like two or three months mm. because I could not find somewhere around school to get my hair done. Yep. Yeah. So So I had to take a two hour drive every two months to get my hair done. Can, can I drop some hashtag facts about the whole race class thing? Absolutely. Like Tish was talking yes. about with the averages. So this is from the New York Times. So just we're just talking about like the 20% of Americans who are the most poor, right? So the 20th, mm-hmm. in, 20th income per, percentile, right? So we're talking about mm-hmm. the fifth of the country that is the most poor, Gotcha. 1967 numbers, the average 
a white person earned $20,000 in 1967 in that 20th percentile. In 1967, the average black person earned 11000 And it hasn't changed. It's actually gotten slightly worse. So in the numbers are from 2015. In 2015, the average white person in the 20th percentile earned $26,000 a year. And the mm-hmm. average black person was fourteen thousand. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's gonna we're gonna have to have a whole nother conversation yeah. about uh, socioeconomic status and poverty and how messed up that shit is. But for today, I think we do need to wrap things up with Chris here, or we could just go on forever. But I single am gonna tier. say we are having Chris back. It's okay, no single well, tier. We're gonna before, have him back. Before we end, one thing I want to make clear is we just want people to be aware of their privilege. Yes. yes. And then we will talk next episode about okay, now that you're aware of your privilege and you've done some reading and you and when I say do some reading don't go and ask the closest black person to you hey explain privilege to me that is not their job to teach you on Beyonce's free internet Google girl read some books learn Google some is things. your friend Google yes. it and then we will talk about um what do you do now how do you become an ally what does an ally look like how do you have start having these conversations I can't wait but we just want <laughs> we just wanted to bring it up so that people can start to say okay well let me look more into this i know it's been a thing that's been tossed around around me but i don't actually know what it is go out google um I would say those of you who are looking for resources, if you are white, I would say start with Tim Wise, I think is a pretty good one. The, he's an author who talks about this issue. Um, and start from there and then work your way up. I'll also plug the book right. uh, Waking Up White by Debbie Irving. She takes you through her journey of her like awakening in terms of understanding what it means to be white because it literally wasn't something she ever thought about. Okay. On that though, we are going to wrap things up with Chris for today. I promise we will have him back next time. You have some homework to think about between now and the next time we talk to Chris and that will do it for us with you today. Would you like to say bye? Bye. I can't wait to be back on. Bye. And we will be back in a sec. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself to the folks who are anti-LGBT. It's Pride Month, and I have the best Pride shirt. If you follow me on Twitter, you might have seen my Pride shirt and also my amazing, amazing Death Eater leggings. I kind of want to steal them from you, but I'm shout out to my leggings. Yeah, no, but uh, go fuck yourself if you don't support people being themselves. You know, just let people be themselves. It's Pride Month, and I love everybody. I don't. Um, so <laughs> my go fuck yourself is to is to people, men specifically, who are not respectful. Oh, um, I have been. I'm on board with that. Yes, I have been thoughting and bopping around. Remember how last episode I said I couldn't hoe? Lie. Turns she out I can. She found her inner hoe. I found my inner hoe. So I've been and thought her inner hoe's having fun. So much fun. I've been thoughting and bopping around, but I'm finding there's a lack of respect in several areas. So like, yes. first of all. Respect my time. Yes. If, if we make plans, don't ghost. And then the next day, be like, hey, how are you? And I understand shit comes up. But communicate that. But yeah, say so. Like, come on. Come on now. Just be like, hey, something came up. You could just not. You're, I've had plenty of times where my anxiety has acted up and I have to be like, I can't leave the bed. 
that's just not happening. But say those words. Otherwise, I'm sitting around with my legs shaved and a sexy outfit waiting for your ass to never come. I could have made other plans. I had shit to do. Seriously, cancel. Cancel as early as you can. Like if And if you think you're not sure, communicate that ahead of time, too. Because for real, if you say to me, like, I'm not sure tonight's going to work and you give me three hours notice, I can hit up my girl and be like, so my date might fall through. You want to grab a drink if it does. Right. And then when you don't cancel, I tell her, hey, sorry, date's happening. Or when you do... I go out anyway. Right. I had things I wanted to do and home dude just ghosted. And then the next day was like, hey, how are you? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were never getting a phone call back. So then the other way you don't respect me, respect my body. I am very, very pro condoms and pro safe sex. So if I say I'm using condoms with every partner and all the time, don't then try to neg me or try mm. to convince me not to use condoms or to search some shit. never okay for anyone to try to convince a partner to not, not use, use a condom. condom like if you're in a committed relationship and you want to raise the discussion and talk about with your partner what kind of testing or what that is for you but you don't ever get to pressure anyone right that's ever, the that is ever, the anyone, way to get across your ass the board blocked. men and women this applies to all of you whatever friggin lgbtq Oh, iteration key, yeah. yeah, she can do all of them. Whatever yeah. iteration of anything you may be, you don't get to pressure someone to not use a condom, condom ever, ever. Respect my money. You want me to prance around in this really nice, sexy lingerie? Bitch, Sally Mae is out here to get all of us. You want me to wear lingerie? Here's my size. Buy it. Otherwise, you're getting the ratty <laughs> t-shirt that's already in my drawer because you're taking it off in 30 seconds anyway. I mean... Oh, yeah, I'm kind of on board with that, too. Anybody wants to buy me lingerie, go right ahead. You can buy it, and I will prance around for you in it. But if you're not buying it, you're getting the T-shirt, which is the old shirt that I had from camp in 12th grade with seven holes and bleach stains on it. And I mean, maybe I have, you know, a bra that you think's real cute. That's fine. You can ask. You can request. But no, you don't get to, like, demand anything. Right. Without, I want you to yeah. wear these sexy knee highs. You should buy them because they're $45. Right. And I was like, "Mm, no. No. That's a big no. respect my body. Shit happens. You may literally be fucking someone and their period starts. Oh, yeah. That's not really always fun. It's not fun, but it happens. And so don't run away screaming into the night. Or you may may be doing some rough stuff. Someone may bleed a little. Don't run away screaming into the night. Gentlemen, cut your fingernails. Please cut your fucking fingernails. Ladies, cut your fingernails Everyone should cut their fingernails. Whatever everyone's doing, if your fingers are going inside someone else, make sure they are trimmed and filed neatly. No sharp corners, please. That is a PSA from us to you. Take it. Enjoy it. Put it in your heart cut your fingernails all right so we're this is the longest go fuck yourself ever but but no but it's very true you need to respect my body shit happens you're fucking a woman which means a lot of stuff is gonna happen yeah there's lots of parts to us right and if you can't handle that then don't fuck me so go fuck yourself for the men who can't respect women that you're fucking now, if you have a go fuck yourself, a Twitter moment, or anything else you'd like to weigh in on, you can hit us up on Twitter. I am at Psyche Tempest, and Tish is at I Don't Do Nature. We also have an email address, which is G. That's the letter G as in Garfield, N as the letter Nancy, and T as in Tonic <laughs> at gmail.com. I like that she did whatever the first one was garfield, <laughs> garfield instead of gin um it's been a long g-n-t-pod day g-n-t-pod 
at gmail.com. And we actually got our first fan mail this week. We got fan mail. Not going to lie, definitely from a friend of mine who's asked that we call him David. He asked that I do an episode with my shirt unbuttoned only because he slept with me and he's allowed to. Um, I'm not wearing a shirt with buttons today, David. Sorry, I will for our next episode. I promise wear a shirt with buttons just so I can have one unbuttoned for you. Um, he also that was also a little weird so I'm glad I you know. know who he is because yes. I was about to be like report to Google um, <laughs> so he also asked that we do some more legal analysis um, let us know if that's something you guys would want from us some topics you'd some like to topics hear about that you'd like to hear us talk about we have no problem doing a little bit of research it's actually fun for the both of us because we're nerds a little bit. Um, and we have no problem talking about some legal issues and we're on where we come from different backgrounds when it comes to legal stuff so that should be some interesting conversations all right that's it for us today make sure you tune in for episode seven we're going to talk about communicating about race it's going to be a great discussion we're also going to have some mini episodes coming up about dating about gender and intersex about lots of fun things but for today goodbye so don't forget call your therapist take your meds and pay black women and love everyone peace out y'all